Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. Wisdom is usually accompanied and associated with age and maturity. Job said this about wisdom. Job chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, he said, Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. But true wisdom and power are found found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. If you want to hear words of wisdom, you must see lives of wisdom. If you want to encounter and hear words of wisdom, you must see and encounter lives of wisdom. You need to be in relationship with people that are older than you are. At whatever age you may be, whether you are 30, you should hang out and have some relationships that are older than you. Whether you are in your 40s, you should have some relationships that are older than 50. You should have some people older than you in your life. 60 and 70, it never stops. You can always learn something from someone else that is more mature and older than you are. My daughter invited us to dinner a few, year, a few months back. I'm sorry, no, it was not a month, a few weeks back. And, and, and Alexis is 24. David, you are 25. And they invited us out uh, to, to dinner. And to our surprise, I didn't know, she had invited George, who was about 10 years older than I am. And, <laughs> and we were all having dinner together. We were having dinner together. And we were laughing and joking and telling stories. And, you know, when we left... My daughter texted me and she said, I just want to say thank you so much for giving us such a, an amazing time together. And um, she hasn't invited us back, but I don't know. <laughs> we, heard some, we heard some scary stories from George. He let her rip too. It was like, like but, but the point is that it was, it was a blessing to sit down with 20 year olds and be able to, to minister into their lives just by being present. Just by being present, David said, David said on Friday, he said, you guys don't understand, but I'm observing you. I learned from you. He was saying that to the men of the church, I learned from you. If you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, your ears should always be pointing up to someone who is older and wiser than you. You know, in a traffic jam, the person that's closest to the cause of the traffic jam can inform everyone else who's behind them giving those folks an option of whether to proceed or take an alternate route. When you are ahead, that's, that's why this thing works. It's amazing. That's how wisdom ought to work in our lives. Because I'm ahead and I'm more mature, I could look back at the younger folk and go, don't do this. Be careful with this pitfall. Be, take an alternate route. Please, I've, I've done this already. You be careful. Don't make this investment. No, no, don't do that. Buy this. No, don't ever co-sign for anybody. Don't ever co-sign for anybody. You don't need roommates. 
I remember giving that advice to my, uh, my son, my younger son, Hector. And um, my goodness, my goodness. What did he do? He did everything I told him not to do. And then he was like, home, like man, I'll never do that again. I'm like, well, son, God, I told you. <laughs> the one ahead that informs the one that's behind makes life easier for the one that's behind us. That's what this is about. Making things easier for the generation. That's, that's the inheritance we can give our people. Our younger generation. Information, knowledge. Avoid these same pitfalls. Specifically and especially when it comes to marriage and parenting. 33 years, my wife and I. 33 years. And I am so glad that I had some godly people in our life. Uh, but I've shared with you all everything that we went through in the first 12 years of our marriage, even being Christians. We read last week about a young king who was the son of the wisest king in the history of the Bible, Solomon. We read about his son and this young king rejected his father's advice. He rejected his father's advisors in his life. And he preferred to go with his counterparts, people that were his age, his peer. We read out of 1 King, uh, 1 King chapter 12, verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the, of the older man. And instead, he asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. The wisest king had a team of advisors that were advising the wisest king. Now they are readily available to this young king, and the young king goes, nah, I don't want those guys. I want these guys over here picking their noses with the wedgies and, and picking wedgies. That's the ones I want. Those are the ones. I want those guys. Well, what we learn from Rehoboam is that the kingdom is plagued with war after this. Violence, pagan worship started to creep in into Israel. Corruption. It literally took four generations of kings after him to bring peace back to Israel and restore the confidence of the throne. Most of the chaos and the turmoil in this kingdom could have been prevented had Rehoboam had the advisors, the right advisors on his corner. Kid, um, Kid Dynamite, the baddest on the planet. Iron Mike are some of the pseudonames that were associated with Mike Tyson. Tyson was the youngest heavyweight boxer of the world, Mike Tyson. At only 20 years old, almost 21 years of age. Mike Tyson was dominating older, more mature boxers, more experienced boxers, taller men, bigger boxers, heavier boxer. Based on Tyson's height and based on his weight, the frame, his body, Tyson shouldn't have been doing what he was doing. That's an impossibility based on his height and his frame. Kind of built like me. <laughs> Tyson had a secret weapon 
Tyson had a secret weapon on his corner. Small, little, Italian, white guy, well into his 60s. He was well into his 60s when he and his wife legally adopted Mike Tyson. Tyson loved, revered, honored, and respected his new guardian. He had been abandoned by dad and mom. This man stepped into his life. Tyson often said the only man he ever feared was Cus D'Amato. In his book, Iron Ambitions, My Life with Cus D'Amato, Tyson wrote these words. This is his quote. You know, if he called me, Mike, I need to talk to you. I didn't feel good going over to him. That's when he'd start giving me the detailed criticisms of my fights. Tyson said the fear of the Amato was never seen in public. He said after fights behind closed doors is when he would become scary. People see the public celebrations of my sensational knockout, but they don't hear Cuss talking to me alone after the fight. Tyson loved this man. He loved him so much that his love was a distraction in the ring. Customato's love was a distraction in the ring. So when Mike Tyson would fight, Customato was not in his corner. And this is what Customato said to Mike Tyson about why he would not be in his corner when he was fighting. He said, he said, I am never going to work your corner because if I die, I don't want you to look up and see my face missing. The life of Mike Tyson went downhill after this. After he passed away, Mike Tyson lost his mentor. He lost his adoptive parent. And this is how he has felt. Yes, met me. I'm a little kid. He said, you'll be the world champ. It's interesting, Mike. You get emotional when you talk about Cuss. But you said Cuss didn't like it when you showed emotion. Oh, yeah, like Why didn't he want you to show emotion? Was, did he equate it with weakness? I don't know what he did. You okay? Yeah, how could I ever do an interview about him when I can start crying? Yeah, this guy know. I didn't know I was the one. Well, you were a specimen. Things more than that to be a fighter. Yeah, he's talking about my character and my discipline. And he, I didn't know what discipline was, so he explained to that. Discipline is doing what you hate to do, but do it like you love it. Mike, did you love him or you were afraid of him? Both. Really? Yeah. Both. How did you reconcile that? Loving him and being afraid of him. How do you reconcile that? You just, you, you're his slave. If he told me to kill you, I would kill you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Listen. I'm a, 
The life of Mike Tyson went downhill after Customato died. Customato didn't care about money. He didn't care about fame. He just wanted to see this boy be able to manifest what Customato saw in him. Customato saw a champion in him when he first saw Mike Tyson at the age of 13. That's when he saw him for the first time. At 16, he then um, adopted him. But Customato trained Tyson to be a champion because that's what he saw in him. He saw a champion. Sadly, Customato passed away just months before Tyson became the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. Tyson's life spiraled out of control as two things were obviously now missing from his life, respect and discipline. And just like Customato, we have today a generation that blatantly rejects any and all exposure to higher learning by way of a mentor, tutors, or elders. Young folk don't want to spend time with parents anymore, with older siblings, with older relatives. They have traded mentorship. They have traded discipleship, accountability for a screen because the internet can now provide it without any consequence or any accountability. Because in tutoring and mentoring, discipleship, you're always going to be held accountable to someone. Becky knows I, I, I have a, an older pastor friend of mine. And every move I make, I call him to check up. Should I make this move? And there are times that he goes, yeah. There are times that he goes, no. You know, when we got this facility here, it was at the worst economical time to, to, to sign a lease. It, it, it made no sense to do it. I called a few people, and they were like, no, no, that's not smart. And then I called him, and you know what he said? Don't be a punk. You better sign that lease. This is not about you. God's got you. Sign it. Sign it. Don't be afraid. Sign it. Do it. And based on his word, here we are now, two years. Based on his word. Respect isn't innate. Discipline isn't innate. You're not born with it. It needs to be taught. R respect is a byproduct of discipline. Now, I'm not saying that all disciplined people produce respect because we know many disciplined people that are not respectful. There are plenty of people like that in the world, very disciplined, but are disrespectful. Right? So I'm not saying that. But the kind of discipline that I'm talking about is a godly discipline that, that always produces respect and consideration for others. The Bible over and over teaches us 
to respect our elders. That, that, that's not an old wives' tale or something that we just like to say. It's biblical. It's godly. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32 says this. Stand up. What does it say? What does it say? Stand up in the presence of, of, and show respect for the age. Fear your God. I am the Lord. This is in the Old Testament. Show respect. You know, in our culture as Puerto Ricans, um, when two people uh, are speaking, two elders are speaking, it, it is, it is, it is forbidden that you walk across. If you happen to walk across two Puerto Ricans who are older and they're speaking, chances are that you're not going to wake up for two, three days. It's deadly. That's a drive-by. It literally, literally is. That's a drive-by. You don't do... I don't know if any other culture is like that, but I know in Puerto Rico, you do not. You do not. And if, if... Two people are speaking, and you need to get to that side of the room, and you need to walk by them. What do you do? What do you do? You bow, and you say, with your permission. And that's, how you, and that's what you do. That's the culture. Now, now, I don't necessarily blame the current generation for the lack of respect. One would have to... One would have to blame the previous generation who saw it unnecessary and unimportant to teach respect. We don't teach it. We don't teach that. You go now to Puerto Rico and it, it, it's, it's not always like that. N not always like that. Some places they still do it, but not in all places. Paul is an apostle and as an apostle, what an apostle is, is a person who had been sent out to preach and to teach and Paul has younger, uh, men, um, younger uh, mentees as he's the mentor. And he's discipling younger guys. And he's sending these guys out. Among the, uh, the many guys he had, Timothy and Titus were two of his closest protégés. And, and Paul taught Timothy these essential, timeless fundamentals. And Paul, he credits the solid faith and the knowledge of scripture to Timothy's grandmom and, and Timothy's mom. We talked about this last week. If you were here last week, you can go back and listen to that. And, and he was teaching mom and he was teaching, uh, I'm sorry, and he was crediting mom and grandmom for teaching Timothy scriptures and faith. How many know that you can know scriptures and faith and still be disrespectful? So now Paul is giving Timothy wisdom. And other areas that grandmom and mom may have missed. They may have, they may have given them solid faith and solid um, uh, discipline to read scriptures. But, but he may have slipped in other areas. And now he is with, uh, Timothy is with Paul. And Paul is speaking to him about some basic stuff. And, and this stuff is in scripture. And I want to read this to you all. Because there are times that when we read scriptures... We make scriptures all about the, 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 the theology, the theology and the teachings for how we are to conduct ourselves in church. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of the stuff in the Bible is on how you should treat yourself and others. It's about the way we live. 
as believers and followers of Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is a letter that he writes, and these are his words to Timothy. Never, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Never, 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 never. Speak harshly to an older man. Are you listening to that? Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your father. There are times, there are times that if you're disrespectful to dad, that comes from a place in your heart. No matter what age you are, watch the way you speak to papa, watch the way you speak to mama. Watch it. Don't make me throw something at you. He said, talk to younger men as you would your own brother. That's how you talk to younger people. It's my brother I'm speaking to. Again, let's go. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with what? All purity as you would your own. What women? What women? The younger women. With all purity as you would your own. That right there, and I'm sorry that I'm going to say this word. Parents, if you have children that are here and they're going to ask you, then good luck. You're going to have to speak to them with what I'm about to say. But listen. Listen, I'm going to speak because I, we are very raw here. And I like, to, I like to give you real stuff to go back home with and go, that's what that man said. I mean, <laughs> he said it. You want to deal with the issue of pornography in young people? You teach older, I mean, you teach young men that when they see other young women, they are to see them as what? Pure sisters. And that's not just for some of you, some old folk too. Messed up in your mind. You want to deal with pornography, the problem of pornography? Yeah, it's the, way, it's, the way you're, it's the way you're seeing your sister, the way you're seeing your brother. Because this problem is no longer now for just male. Let me tell you, the increase in pornography for women, the absorption in, in women, it's insane. This is why I'm always wearing my shirt when I'm online. <laughs> will never be I will never ever ever be a figure of temptation for anyone <laughs> you want to deal with the problem of, 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 of adultery fornication it's very hard when in your mind, all you see as your, as, as your women and, and men, you see them as brothers and sisters. I know this is uncomfortable for some people to hear. I know it's uncomfortable for some folk to hear, but it's necessary. Timothy, uh, Paul found it, found it necessary to tell Timothy about this. This is, this is why sometimes I have to unfriend some people because I don't like to see my sisters look in a certain way. It's not that, and it's not that it's my business what you do. You do whatever you want to do, but you're my sister, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I I I, I want to avoid. I want to see those images. You're my sister, and and I when I see my sisters, I want to see them in all purity. 
regardless of what you do, regardless, listen, that's your problem, whatever you, that's your problem, I know you, some of you are just so proud and so excited about, yeah, the way you look, and I, I get it, I, I get it, but, 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 but I want you to know that there, there are, there are, there are transference of spirits and things that are happening, did I, did this message just go the other way, like it just, uh, I'm sorry. I just, I, it's, it's, it's a terror. It's a terrible thing. We need to, we, we want to be able to speak openly about a lot of things. Respect says that I may be younger. I may be faster. I may be stronger. I may be more talented. I may be more skilled, but I still value the accumulation of years and experience and wins and losses and the lessons that I can learn, the pitfalls that I can avoid simply by listening to someone who is a little older than I am. That's what respect says. In another letter, Paul wrote this. You know, when you read some of the stuff that Paul wrote about in the Bible, you got to read it in the context of a mentor. A, a mentor. Who, who has that phone on? Sergio, you got that phone on, Sergio. Security, take him out. <laughs> now listen. And this is, this is what Paul is saying when you read these letters. They, they're letters that are written to specific people for the church for the purpose of mentorship and training. And, 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 and Paul is, is writing um, to another one of his protégés. And he is speaking to one of the, these ministers. And he's writing to uh, a letter. Uh, I'm sorry, a church in Crete. Crete is a Greek island in the Mediterranean Sea. And, and, and so what he's, he's writing to this church that's there... And, um, and and though they were a they were a Jewish church, they also had in, intermixed with non-Jews, Gentiles. And Titus is one of these guys. And these are his words, Titus chapter one, verse four. He said, "I am writing to Titus, my what? My what? My true son in the. How did he see other young men?" How did he see them as what? As sons. He, he, he saw young men as sons and he saw young women as what? His daughters. It, it, gives you a dis, it gives you a different expectation of how you look and how your heart responds. That's my daughter. That's my son. I've often called young people here. We, we get to talking and, and my heart sometimes hurts when I see some avoidable pitfalls. And, and, and you, you give them your love and you give them mentorship and you, give, and you, know, and, and you, you, you do with it as, as you wish and it breaks my heart. But, but that's the relationship that we ought to have. That's not just with your pastor though. That's with everyone around us. You know, when we got together on Friday, the point of us getting together on Friday is I want our young couples to have admiration and reverence and honor and respect for those older couples to know I can learn something from them. I spoke about 12 years that Becky and I spent in a physical abusive marriage because we did not have older people around us to tell us that that was wrong. He said, I am writing to my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. Titus is a, a Gentile convert. He's not Jewish. 
and he converted. Not much is known about this, this, this young man other than that he wasn't a Jew and that he was stronger in his character than Timothy was. So whenever you wanted some stuff to get done that required um, uh, someone to be strong in character, you send in ti- uh, Titus. If you, it, was a, it was something that was sensitive and, and it didn't require somebody to be assertive, then you send in Timothy. And, and this is how Paul did things in his wisdom. So he would look at Titus as a pit bull when it came to his children in faith. And this is what he said. Chapter 1, verse 5. This is what he said to Titus. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Man, listen to this. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. An elder, and this is an elder for the church. An elder would be the person that would be very synonymous to the pastor. Okay, this is the role of an elder in the church. He said, an elder must live a, a, and I want you to listen to the requirements of the person that was in authority over the lives of young people. All right, sometimes you go to any church, any movement, listen to the requirements of of what he had as what's acceptable in his ministry. He had to live a what? Blameless life. He must be, he must be to what? To what? You got many pastors and elders and ministers that are faithful to the ministry, very unfaithful to the wife. And, and, And he said... And he said, no, 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 no. And he said to his children. wife and, children. and children. children, if my children don't believe the context and the content of what I teach, it disqualifies me to teach you. Do you hear that? And his children must be what? Believers, Believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. I'm glad it doesn't say ugly because I would discount one of my kids. <laughs> An elder is a what? He's a manager of what? Of his? Of his? Of his? God's household. Everything in here belongs to God. Everything belongs to everything belongs to God. As a pastor, as someone who is an elder in your life, I'm a steward. I'm a manager of what belongs to someone else. That's all I am. I'm a manager. So he must, must live a blameless life. He must not be I'm not arrogant, guys. I'm so humble. <laughs> Or what? Quick-tempered. He must not be. Violent. 
dishonest with money. Is there more? Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and, and be just. He must live a devout and a disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message that he was taught. Then, then, then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they're wrong. Is that it? That's it. Wow. Now, I'm not being facetious here, right? Facetious means that I'm not making light of this. Into, I'm not making it into a joke. I don't want to make it into a joke. Especially when I say that men of this caliber are few in many of our churches today. And fellas like that. It's, it's, it's hard to find them. That needs to stop. That needs to change. We need to hold our men accountable. You play an important role. You know, when David said on Friday, when he said, he, he was so sincere, very sincere in his words, he said, I look to you guys to learn. Do you think he was making that up? He was being serious. I'm learning from you. The way you speak to your wife, I'm learning that from you. The way I'm going to teach my children, I'm learning it from you. The way you love, the way you manage your finances, I'm learning it from you. This is what the church exists for. And I would tell you and I would tell anyone, if you come to this church because all you want to do is have a good feeling and have a, a time to sing and clap your hands and stomp your feet and not learn anything and not be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a, 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 a better citizen. I'm telling you, this is not the church for you. You may have to find somewhere else to go. I do not care how good you sing, how well you play, how good you speak, how good you teach. Tell me, tell me how your marriage is. Tell me about your parenting. So we see these requirements, requirements for the elder in the church. I don't know about you, man, but that's, that's some deep, that's deep. That's heavy. The average church today, I don't say this as, a, as a, an insult, but the average church today is literally being run and led by women. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think there's a place for it all. Where are the fellas? Is that all we're good for? Moving furniture? Picking up chairs? Is that, all we, is that all we are? Just the muscle? Didn't see any of that here. Not on this list. It gives, it gives men an expectation. This is what you should be. And if you're a wife, you should have this list so that you can help your husband develop some of these things. Push your husband to, to spend some time with the fellows of the church. Thank you, honey. My husband can't get anything in the day. What's he doing? He playing ping pong. What? Stop it. 
got, we got to grow up. And, and, and we have to remember that there's a difference between being, being, being kingdom men, kingdom women, kingdom children, kingdom versus the people of this world. There's a difference. There's a difference. Most of us are acting like the rest of the world. You can't, tell the, you can't tell the word apart from, from the Christian. There's no, no wonder people don't want to join churches anymore. Don't want to be part of it. I don't blame our kids sometimes. I get it. So these are 16 expectations for an elder, for a godly man. And I could have done this message for Father's Day, but I felt like we had to do it sooner. And, but this is not just for men. I want this to be for just, just a, a person who is going to mentor, a person who is going to lead others. Number one, a blameless life. Number one, a blameless life. But listen, right there, that alone, blameless life. A life that is blameless. You know that has nothing to do with what you wear. Has nothing to do with what you wear, what you eat. What day you pray, what day you don't pray, when you go to church. No, live a blameless life. Blameless. No one else around you can point a finger and go, oh, that guy, that woman. I will tell you, and I'm going to warn you, if you ever have any accusation against me, I'm going to tell you, I'm not one of these guys that goes away and prays and lets it go. I'm going to come after you. You're going to have to prove it. You have to prove it. You, you, you point your fingers, you're ac- making accusations. I'm going to go after you, just like Tyson, too. <laughs> go right after you. No. And I've worked all my life in, in the eyes of my wife, in the eyes of my children, to try to be as blameless as I can. And it's hard sometimes. There are, there are times when my wife holds me accountable, my children will hold me accountable. And I, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Number two, faithful to his wife and to his children. I have no more loyalty, no more loyalty to anyone else than I do to my wife and my children. They are about the most sacred thing. They are the most sacred thing in my life. I have a sister who attends this church, and, 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 and if, I have to make it, uh, if I have to sacrifice someone on an altar... And burn them alive over my wife. I would sacrifice Jemaida. I would. I, I really <laughs> would sacrifice her. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 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 and you know what I taught my children? You know what I taught my children? I taught my children early. No batter, no nobody, and nobody in this world, not even including including mama and my dad are more important to me than my wife. Don't you ever disrespect mama around me. And I teach them, that's not just your mom. That woman is my wife. She's my wife. So when you disrespect this woman and you raise your voice or whatever you do, I have to step in to respond, not as a dad, but as a husband. I thought I was going to have to mute you for a second. (laughs) 
man, I could go all day about talking about raising kids and, and it's hard. It's hard work, guys. And, and I feel sorry for this new, younger generation. You guys thinking, yeah, you know, you hand over an iPad or a, or a phone and, and, and the hours of time that these guys are spending, that's, a, that's, that's valuable, valuable time that they're spending away from your wisdom and your knowledge. And someone else is in, somebody else is filling in their minds, their hearts, shaping their heart, their conscience, their conviction. Someone else is doing it. Others are doing it. Uh, there's a there's a book out there, and I, I want to highly recommend this. It's called The Collapse of Parenting. For the younger parents, I'm telling you, buy this book, get this book. Uh, there's a second book called Boys Adrift. Get this book and, and listen to these psychologists speak on, on the impact and the effects of gaming and, and the internet and some of the stuff. Studies, data, studies, and data, all right? Proven fact of stuff that's messing up this new generation and their emotions. This is why kids, they don't know how to react. So what do we do? We medicate, 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 medicate. It's the first thing we do is medicate, medicate, medicate. Why? Because we have not developed the ability to discipline and teach discipline. And believe me, there's a big difference between discipline and punishment. I don't want to get into that. But, but, but number th- uh, three, don't have a reputation of being wild and rebellious. If somebody's bad with money or the bank has a reputation of going bankrupt over and over, do you continue to invest your money there? And, and, and there are people that, you know, for so many, like, going, well, just keep going there. God knows. Number four, not be arrogant and quick-tempered. Watch the temper. Watch, watch people's conduct. Number five, this is for Ceci, you know? <laughs> stop it, Ceci, stop. <laughs> Don't be a heavy drinker. I, and I can go all day about that one because you think that's all about alcohol and drinking alcohol. No, there's a lot of other stuff. And we can get into, but uh, I just want to give you these and let me move on quickly. Number six, not, not violent. Don't be violent. Number seven, did I put not be a heavy drinker twice? Yeah. Man, I, God's ministering to somebody here. That's me. All right, it's enough. Secure, security, get her out of here. Number, number eight, man, not be dishonest with money. I, 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 this necklace was, this is, a, this is a pastor wearing all that gold, all that bling. That was my nephew. It was, it was BJ. Where's BJ? Is he here today? Hey, BJ, I got your necklace on. I got your Christmas. You got yours on? Bam! <laughs> uh, number nine, must have, must enjoy having guests in, in his home. Ten, love what is good. Eleven, live wisely. 
12, be just. 13, live a devout and a disciplined life. Number 14, must believe what he or she preaches. 15, must be encouraging. Number 16, know how to defend his or her faith. I'm going to be the first to admit that we we have a lot of work to do. We, We have a lot of work to do in the context of a church community. I know many churches that grow big in numbers but are empty and void inside and character and dignity and integrity. Big, big, big. They're doing big, amazing things. Wonderful. Do you know that Jesus said, in that day, many are going to say, in your name I did. 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 And Jesus will say, the Lord will turn around and say, what? Hard for me. I've never known you. Just because something looks good doesn't always necessarily mean it is good. And our younger generation needs godly men and women who are willing to step up and face the challenges of mentorship and discipleship, are willing to spend some time with people, willing to take a kid to lunch, have some breakfast with someone, drink a cup of coffee with someone, younger people to to have them over for dinner. It, It was literally... Literally, Becky and I went to a, 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 an older couple um, in, our, in my father's church. Very dear to, very dear to me, Willie and, 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 and B.G. Um, Colon. And, and he passed on to be with the Lord. And, and she's still alive. And, and the, way, the way this woman brought coffee to, to, she just served coffee to her husband. And he never even asked. He never flinched. He, he just brought coffee. And she brought it to him. I'm looking at Becky. I'm like, oh, that's but she was doing it because I'm compelled to do it because of the kind of man he is I don't mind serving him I don't I don't I don't mind I don't mind that's awesome that's an honor it's brand I'm going to talk about some things about submission and 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 into submitting into each other and then talking about some stuff. Um, and I want you guys to take away with him as you continue to grow in, in your walk with God. And, but it was, it was hanging with these guys. And then I learned that the reason that she treated him this way was because this was the nicest man on the planet Earth. For those that had the privilege of knowing him, I know Jemida knew him and I know um, Papa knew him and they got, all got to go to his funeral. And, and he, he, this man, this man went from being unfaithful to his wife as an unbeliever he was unfaithful to his wife to then growing up in ministry 20 plus years later in discipline in in restoration this man then served alongside of my father he did it with dignity he did it with integrity not one accusation could be made against this man because of his high high integrity and his wife would not even bring anything that ever happened because what she saw the genuine and authentic change in his life just a, just an amazing testimony that's rare doesn't happen all the time it's very rare in our younger generation they need us younger folk there's nothing wrong with friends there's nothing with having friends your same age 
But at some point, you have to graduate from some of the friends and some of the relationships you have. If you want to do bigger and better things, sometimes you have to shift. You're not going to learn about investments from younger people. You got to see the guy who's ahead of you and the gal ahead of you who's managing money and managing it well. My father was not a good teacher with money. He, he's not. So I had to learn it from others. Your next job, your next job reference is in a relationship with someone who's older. There are teachers, there are principals, there are um, engineers, there are judges and lawyers who just want to write a letter to a younger person of, 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 of reference and referral. You want to get into good schools, man. You, you know the stuff that's required. It don't come from young people. It comes from someone who's just a little older and more mature who can get you in. Your next job, your next job advancement is in a relationship with, with someone who's more mature than you are. Over and over, scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there's a common thread between a relationship of a teacher and someone who's learning. Over and over, there's a, there's a learner and there's a teacher. And I want you searching inside, asking yourselves these questions. Let us all stand to your feet. If, if someone got offended by anything that I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like, really, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to offend anyone. I just wanted to share some truths with you that come from a different place. But I want you to ask yourselves this week, starting today, these questions. A am I doing enough to grow? Am I the same in 2022 than I was in 2021? If so, there's a problem. You should have more money in your savings than you had last year. You should have more time set aside to go on vacation than you had last year. You should, you're constantly growing. Your credit score must be better every year. Growing. Your children must be doing better every year. Growing. That is the life of a Christian. To grow, to grow. And I don't mean and wait. We're working on that. But I want you to ask, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough in marriage? Can I look at my wife with those same, same eyes that I did when I used to look at her when she was younger? Yeah, I was reminding my wife of... Of, of things that attracted me to her when she was just a young girl. And I was reminding her, I'm looking at her, it was just the two of us in the room. Two of us. And I had, I, had, I, I had bulls all in my, not goosebumps or butterflies, I had bulls running all up inside of me as I'm talking to my wife. <laughs> Listen, listen, I mean, we got to, 
It's got to be better every year. Every year, it's got to be better. Every every year. I'm 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 turning. <laughs> And you know, and I'm and I'm gonna tell you, man, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta force myself to learn and grow in areas. And I'm always trying to read a book and learn something and listen to something and something to move me. I, my kids know; they all can tell you. They can all tell you. I hate to cook. Hate it. Just I've never. I don't know how this happened. You know, just not in the kitchen. I was just not one of those things. And during the pandemic, I, I was I started to teach myself to cook, and now I love it. Like I really, I've, I've, I love to cook. Don't be arrogant. Where is that here? Don't be arrogant. So I started. So I just started to cook and. And, and I enjoy and I enjoyed to cook and then watch my wife's face. <laughs> no, no ramen noodles. Uh, I had my sister over for the first time. How, how many times in our relationship as siblings have you had dinner in my house and cooked and, and, and ate for my hands? Yeah. My hand. Huh? One time. And I I brought my sister and her husband over and I said to my wife, I said, I want this night to be special. Because my little sister's coming and her husband are coming and I want to have an awesome time with these guys. They stayed to about three o'clock in the morning. I was like, we ain't doing that again. But I I I Again, guys, it's it's trying to learn to teach myself some things to just grow out of my comfort, just to grow. And you should always be wanting to grow and learn and finding. And I've learned that, man, as I'm cooking, man, I get into into God and and, and His presence, and it's like, oh my God, this is awesome. So ask yourselves, can I do more? Number three, I want to want you to ask yourself: is is the current situation that I find myself an opportunity for B to B? an agent of change in someone else's life. There's some of us that are in some real uncomfortable positions right now, and it has nothing to do with you, but God has you there to be an agent into someone else's life. All right? And it may be uncomfortable, but God is saying, just hold on a little longer because I'm not doing something to you. I'm doing something through you. All right? The next three questions here. Am I sitting idle? Am I letting the best years of me go to waste while there's a generation around me that's fading away? Stop being idle. Stop being busy. Be fruitful. Stop being busy and be fruitful. Christians were never put on earth. Children of God were never put on earth to be busy. They were put on earth to be fruitful. I get that all the time. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Busyness is not fruitfulness. Next one, am I using my God-given talent, my, my gift, my skills to the fullest of my potential? And the last one, am I running from instead of running to my calling and my purpose? 
All eyes closed, heavenly Father. Father, I just pray right now, Lord. Lord, this message is not taken as a, as a message, Lord, to rebuke or to exhort anyone, Lord, but that we're, Father, just creating, creating an opportunity, Lord, of accountability in us all. We may continue to grow and pursue, Lord, your Holy Spirit wisdom and knowledge. Father, that we can be agents and ambassadors here on earth into this new generation, Lord, as there has been a shift in the world, in the global church, Lord. We may not be prepared, Lord, for some of the changes, but that we are preparing those that are younger behind us, Lord, and how they're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we may humble ourselves and surrender any sense of arrogance and pride, Lord, and lay it all aside to say, use us, send me. I want to be used. That we may have the attitude of Jesus. Father, I pray as we leave here today that we are empowered, strengthened by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.